it's good to have the honeymoon couple back. Amen. Praise God. See those smiles and everything? Amen. Good to see all of you here this morning. It's always good to see people that love Jesus. Amen? Just going to wait. We're waiting for you. It's okay. Praise God. Uh, I just want to, as the offering is being taken this morning, if the ushers would come on in and start taking the offering, if the offering is being shown this, taken this morning, I want to show a, um, a uh, video clip, if we could do that, please. It will take about seven minutes, so we can take a slow offering. I'm Dr. Mark Harris, and a member of the Vote for Marriage NC Executive Committee. Marriage as the union of one man and one woman is the foundation of society and has existed in North Carolina since statehood and is supported by virtually every faith community and society since the dawn of mankind. Our state's marriage laws are currently under attack, and passing the Marriage Protection Amendment is the way to preserve marriage as God intended it. We've seen in lots of other states like California, Massachusetts, Iowa, Connecticut, where activist judges have redefined marriage to include same-sex marriage. And the reason they've been able to do that is because those states didn't have any type of protection in their constitution for marriage. So a judge can declare that the current marriage statutes that we have, which are really good statutes, could be unconstitutional. And if that happens, then the judge is going against the will of the majority of North Carolinians, because we know that most people in North Carolina believe that marriage is between one man and one woman. We're not trying to impose our views on anyone. We're not trying to shove our views down anyone's throat. We're only defending the law as it is stated, and there's no bigotry uh, in it. Marriage, by definition, is a union between a man and a woman. We've never seen homosexual-only water fountains, homosexual-only uh, entry, entry doors. You know, there are no signs that says if you're homosexual, go to the back. Uh, homosexuals thrive in this country. They do well in this country. And I'm not opposed to that. But when it comes to the institution of marriage, I submit to biblical authority. Marriage is the definitive issue of our time. When marriage is strong in the culture, then the culture is strong. When marriage is weak in the culture, the culture becomes weak. A lot of people think that once same-sex marriage is legalized, it's just an add-on to traditional marriage. But that's not the case. What it does is change the entire paradigm for marriage so that marriage now becomes genderless. And the people who are going to be most impacted are going to be our children. If we were to destroy that structure behind marriage, we would be creating more homes that, that have children who grow up without either a mom or a dad. And both parents are important to children, both a mom and a dad. There are those who oppose the amendment uh, by saying that it is discriminatory and that we should not vote discrimination into the Constitution of North Carolina. Now, I believe that the good people of this state will see through that because the truth is marriage does discriminate. 
And the only way that we can make marriage a non-discriminatory institution is that we take all of the limits off. You know, a lot of people say today that the church ought not to be involved in political matters, but politics simply means the affairs of the people. Jesus, our Lord, was in the very middle of the affairs of the people, and he taught that his people ought to be in the very middle of the affairs of the people. So the church has a role to play in bringing righteousness uh, to bear upon the political process. And that's why it's so very important that the church be involved in this campaign to protect marriage as one man and one woman. The language of the amendment is very simple. It's two short sentences. The first sentence will appear on the ballot. And it says, marriage between one man and one woman is the only domestic legal union that shall be valid or recognized in this state. So it's very clear all it does is protect the definition of marriage between a man and a woman. The second sentence just clarifies that the amendment won't impact private rights to contract or the rights of the court to adjudicate rights under those contracts. So that includes health care benefits, it includes any kind of contract that same-sex partners might enter into privately on their own, but it would not allow a state recognition for civil unions or domestic partnerships. Take advantage of this, and I'm saying to every Christian, in the words that Mordecai told Esther, who's to say that you were not called for such a time as this? As good as the Lord had been to our state, as good as the Lord had been to us, we get a chance to do something for him, to stand for the institution of marriage, and we know how the God of the Bible feels about marriage. It was his very first institution. And I'm, I, I'm anxious to cast a vote to support and to strengthen God's very first institution. And I pray that everyone else would do the same. This is an unprecedented opportunity for the church to bring the will of God, the righteousness of God, the teachings of scripture to bear on the political process. It's also an unprecedented opportunity that only comes once in a great while in history to make a mark on our most sacred of government documents, our Constitution. And I would suggest that the church and the people of God will be derelict in their duty if they don't get involved with this campaign and do so zealously. Thank you for taking the time to watch this video and to get more involved in learning more about the Marriage Protection Amendment that will preserve marriage in North Carolina as the union between one man and one woman. Many of us have worked for a long time to get the Marriage Amendment on the ballot in North Carolina so the people of our state can decide this important issue. This is our one chance to pass the amendment. We're the only state in the Southeast that doesn't have constitutional protection for marriage. We need the entire faith community to come together in this effort. We need you to get involved as a church and as individuals. Please go to our website, voteformarriagenc.com, and sign up. God is the author of marriage. He has given us the opportunity to protect marriage by placing it in our state constitution. It is important that the church and the entire faith community come together to solidify itself and work towards protecting marriage in our state. I urge you, please, go to the polls on May the 8th and vote for marriage.
Vote for Marriage NC sponsored this ad. It's time. I was uh, thinking on this, uh, the, this this morning and the scripture verse that God gave me for me, and I quoted a lot, but Joshua was standing in front of the children of Israel and he says, you, you have a choice to serve the gods of the lands or to serve the gods of the lands in which you are now conquering or to serve the living God. And he made this statement, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. I, I think that one of the most important privileges that we have as Americans is the privilege to vote. And uh, I, I really do believe it's important and necessary for all of us who, are, who uh, have the honor or can vote to be out there and vote for this. It's important to vote for it. And uh, once in a lifetime, something like this comes along, like this man said, so I think we should do that. The reason, the only reason that I'm doing it, the only reason that I'm doing it is not to stand against people, it's to take a stand for God. And I personally feel that if I don't do that, then I'm standing against him. This is my own personal view. And so uh, that's why I think it's necessary to do that. Uh, uh, we, we, we have to take a stand somewhere for the things of God, Amen. So if you have your Bibles, uh, let's turn to um, the Gospel of John, chapter 7. I think the, uh, one of the things that can bother a person the most is when someone were to say to you that you hate people. And there's one thing that I can honestly say, and I think that I proved it for 35 years being here, soon to be 36, that I don't hate people. And uh, I've never stood up here and do that, but I will take a stand for the Word of God. I have learned God's helped me to, God has really helped me to separate sin from the sinner. I do not like sin, but I do love the sinner. And uh, when it comes to a choice between what God believes in and what people believe in, I've got to, to choose what God believes in. And that's not in any way, shape, or form wanting to belittle anybody else. End of political speech. In the seventh chapter of the Gospel of John, it's one of these things that I have become fascinating about. And let me just give you some background history on this. Uh, at Jerusalem at the time that uh, we see Jesus here, there was a feast going on in Jerusalem called the Feast of Tabernacles or the F Feast of Booths or the Feast of Tents, however it's interpreted in your, in your version of the Bible. And it, one of the four things, or four times that Israel had to come, to all the Jews, all the men had to come back to Israel had to do it four times a year. This was probably around uh, late September or middle October when this feast was, was going on. And in this feast, they would come back, and what they were doing, they were remembering uh, uh, what their fathers had gone through, and their fathers and fathers had gone through when they was in the wilderness. And they would, they would build tents, or they would build booths, or they would build something that they would live in for this whole week that they were in Jerusalem. 
And every day they would go to the temple and they would, and they would uh, uh, have people would say things to remind them of what has happened in the past. So there was a great number of people at this time that was in Jerusalem. Now, during this time, Jesus went up there secretly. He didn't go up there uh, at this particular time, at the beginning of this. He went up there secretly. At this time, there was a lot of confusion going on in Jerusalem, and there, people were trying to figure out if Jesus was really the Christ. Could he be the Christ? Could he be the anointed one that, uh, that was sent from God? Is it possible? Does he meet the, the law, the requirements of a law to be the Savior. And so all of this was coming about because he healed somebody on the Sabbath. Think about this. He healed somebody on the Sabbath and the religious people of the day said, you can't do that. Well, he reminded them that they circumcised their sons on the Sabbath. Why couldn't I heal somebody on the Sabbath? And so we got this going on here, and in this particular time it was going on, there was a lot of confusion, and there was a lot of, uh, in, the, in the ranks of religion, there was a lot of confusion. They wanted to know if Jesus was authentic. Was he the real thing? Long before Coke come up and said it was the real thing, they were wanting to find out what the real thing was. And so there was going on, and then there was a lot of people who wanted to kill him. Uh, th th there was a movement going on to kill Jesus because he'd been doing some good things. Some said he was possessed. This was all going on during this particular week. Well, he shows up and he begins to teach in small groups. He doesn't really make a public uh, declaration. He just shows up and he starts teaching them. And, and as he's teaching them, some people begin to believe and then some people are beginning to wonder, what's going on? Is he really who We've heard that he is. So Jesus does something. And I want you to hear this this morning because it's very important. What he does, he wants to do through you today. Because I submit to you, we're living in a time of confusion. We're living in a time where people are wondering whether Christ really was ever born. Was he born of a virgin? Is he the Son of God? Is he real? What's that? What? Oh, the baby? Is he real? <laughs> Is Jesus real? There's people today who are in search for something that's real. They haven't found it in a lot of things. They, found, they, they go to different religions and they go to different groups because they're wanting to find something that's really authentic. Something that can really help them as they're going through life. They're confused. I remember years ago there was this dude that came on the scene and, and a lot of people followed him. And you go to the airport, and, and they, they, they were there. Everywhere you'd go, they were there. And then all of a sudden, the guy died, and everyone who believed in that, they just kind of petered away. Buddha came and died. All kinds of people have arisen and died. And, 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 and even today in this, in this world, Christianity has failed. There's too much bickering going on amongst us. There's too much division going on amongst us. And, 
And we have fallen into these traps of the enemy. And as a result of a lot of people today who have not chosen this because they're absolutely confused. If this be real, how come they're not real? And so Jesus would want to stand up through you today and, say, and for have you to say the same thing to people that you come in contact with that he did then. So it's on the last day of the feast. They've been there either, depending on, uh, on the interpretation, they've been there either seven or this is either the seventh day or the eighth day of the feast determining, but it was one of those two and it's the last day of the feast and and, and, and so all the people are gathered together at the temple and, and here comes Jesus who hasn't said anything publicly yet, but he's getting ready to make a public decoration. I think it's one of the most powerful things that that's, was spoken. I think the ramifications of it is what the church needs today. And, 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 I, and as I looked at these particular verses of Scripture and I've looked upon them now for over a week, and I've just kind of sat at the feet of the Master just wanting him to, to give me something to say on these. Uh, I, I, I look at this in verse 37, and on the last day of, the, of that great feast, Jesus stood up and cried out. Now, I don't know whether you believe in Jesus or not, I don't know whether you believe that he is everything that the Bible says he is or not. But Jesus stood up in all of the midst of confusion and spoke out. The problem with the church today is that we're afraid to stand up and speak out. Jesus wasn't talking about Foursquare. He wasn't talking about the International Church of the Foursquare Gospel. He wasn't talking about the Baptists. He stood up and made this statement and listened to what he said. If anyone, all-inclusive. There are so many things today that it's not all-inclusive. There are a lot of churches today who are not all-inclusive. Not everybody is welcomed in some churches today. You can go to some churches today and if you walk in there, if you're dressed a certain way and you act a certain way, you will not be welcomed there. If you come in and you have tattoos from the top of your head to the soles of your feet, people will turn their eye against you. If you go in there and have body piercings, you got your nose pierced, your ears pierced, your belly button pierced, and everything you can have pierced, pierced. And you're showing out. And you're showing them all. If you walk into some churches right now, the people will just go. But here he makes a statement. If anyone thirsts, if anyone in any situation of their life is being drained because of life, because of religion, or because of anything, and you're just basically, he just likens it to you're thirsty, you're, 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 you're parched, you're, you need something. In any area of your life, he says, if anyone, isn't that neat? Y'all need to be thankful that God said that to you a long time ago. But he says, if anyone thirsts, regardless of what it is, he makes this statement. This is a powerful statement. And that's what we need to be saying to people. Don't you go out and tell your people that you're a member of a church. You go out and tell them that you're a part of the body. The body of Christ. Amen? Amen. 
Are you, are you getting my picture here? And it doesn't make a difference of who they are, what they are, what they're involved in, or what's in their life. Jesus is their answer. He is the final answer. And so Jesus makes this statement. And the problem is there's not many Christians today who are standing up and saying this. If any of you have anything that's lacking in your life, now he says, let him come to me and drink. Jesus is saying to everybody that's in any sinful condition or any religious condition or any confusion, he's saying to them, you come to me and drink because what I got for you will be satisfying. I didn't drink of the assemblies of God's church when I got saved. That was the institution that was there in Dover that, that God used for me, but I didn't drink of them. I didn't drink of their doctrines. I had a life-changing experience. And it wasn't because some man laid his hand on me or spit on me. I came in contact with a man who said this, if any man comes unto me, who's thirsty, who needs a need in his life, comes unto me, I will give him something to drink. And the sip I got that day, mind you, it was only a sip. That sip I got that day has been satisfying since 1962. But it says, let him drink. And boy, I thought about that. I says, God, that's all you want me to do. When I take Jesus to people, you just want me to introduce them to you. And let them know that I don't come here representing a church or a denomination. I come here representing the man, the man Christ Jesus. And he's given you this promise. He's put his life on the line. He says, if you will come to him, he will give you something to drink. Something satisfying, something nourishing. Something that will quench what you need in your life. How many believe that this morning? Well, stop being quiet and start telling people about him. I was only 17 years old when this happened in my life. And someone would say, well, it couldn't have been too much going on in your life in 17 years. I cannot even tell you what was going on in the 17 years of my life. I've given you bits and pieces, but I will never, I will never, never divulge the real bad part of it because God has forgiven me of it, and I'm not going to bring it back up. But I stand here, and I know I'm not preaching something just to preach it. This may be my last sermon. This may be my last year, but I'm telling you something right now. I'm going to preach this, and it's, it's the same today as it was back then. That he who believes on me as the scripture has said. I'm not going to tell you about four square doctrine. I'm going to tell you what the scripture says. Pastor Hickam sat down and he said, this is what the scripture says, Fred. The scripture says, Fred, that if you confess your sins, that he will forgive you of your sins and he will cleanse you from all unrighteousness. That's what the word says. 
And if you will believe that his son Christ Jesus died for you and that he rose for you and that he lives for you, you are saved. Then he looked at me and he says, what say you? Bill O'Reilly wasn't the first one to say that, by the way. What say you? And I looked at him and I said, I want to believe this more than anything else in my life. I've been crying out to be arrested, be put in jail. I've been trying to be put in jail, and I, and, and I can't even get in jail. I can't even get arrested. In front of policemen, I couldn't even get arrested. They turned their backs on me. I needed to get away from people because I was tired of hurting them. I'm standing in 25 below zero weather trying to get arrested. I'm getting ready to break into the store. And they went, at 2.30 in the morning, why is a policeman even there? Because God had a plan. So I showed up to church. And that pastor gave me those scripture, says it, and I, scripture verses, and I said this, I want to believe this more than anything else in the world, and you'll never know the reason why. And I said, I believe it. Prove it if you are God. I walked out of that church, not a goosebump running up and down my back. There wasn't any heat running up and down my back. There was nothing, no feeling at all. And I went out there and I was playing with some of the guys that we played with. We played football. We didn't play. We played touch, but not the touch, the two-handed touch. We hurt people. And this guy come up, he knocked me down on my back, knocked everything out of me, and there I am laying down there wondering whether I'm ever going to live again. And I stood up and I laughed in his face. He said, you're laughing in my face. I ain't laughing at you. It's real. God just proved himself to me. So I'm saying this. When God says something, he means it. Challenge him and tell him to prove himself to you and he will. Because he loves you. But he says this. Now get this. Here we come. He who believes on me. As the scriptures have said. Wow. Out of his heart will flow rivers. Of living water. submit to you, most Christians who are saved, now I'm going to tell you something right now, I, this may go against your doctrine, Pentecostal people, if 
Former Baptist? Former something? I, I thank God I ain't a former nothing. I was a heathen. You know, one advantage about not being raised in church and you get saved, you, you wasn't anything else but a heathen. To everyone who accepts Jesus as their personal Savior, as the Scripture says, God imparts in them, in their very heart, a spring. Come on, y'all. That's what he said. Let me go back and look at that. Out of your heart will flow rivers of living water. Well, there has to be a source. The source is in your heart, but there has to have a source that can produce this water. So he's placed within you a spring. Slap dab in the middle of your heart. When I got saved on that day, when I stood up and said, it's real, Something began to flow out of me. And then he goes on and he says, now get this, we're going to get back to this other part. He says, and this he spoke concerning the Spirit. And he goes down and says this. It says, and, and, and whom those believing in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given. But those who believe, receive. Those who believe, receive. How many in here Believe. Then you received. It is the truth. We've got to be careful that we don't make it something else that they've got to do. When you believe, you receive the Holy Spirit of the living God. Oh, Brother Morrison, you're preaching heretic. No, I'm not. I'll get to the other. But notice what it says, folks. How many of you are so desperate for Jesus that this isn't happening, that you're willing to put yourself in a place so that it can happen? This river is a flowing from your heart. It's supposed to be a continual, constant thing. Come on, y'all. And we're talking about coming forth from the spring of the Holy Spirit flowing out from you, flowing out from that. Rivers. Not a brook, not a creek, not the South Fork, but rivers. 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 Some say that means plenty. Some, mean, some say it means a constant thing. I'm saying rivers. I've got the river of joy. I've got the river of peace. I've got the river of rest. I've got the river of I've, whatever. i got, oh, hallelujah. Yeah. I about broke out in the spirit here. <laughs> rivers. Flowing. There's only three ways that I can dam up a river. There's only three ways I can dam, dam up the river of the Holy Spirit. 
quench, grieve, disobedience. Now, I, I'm not a, and I don't profess to be a theologian, but I'm a student of the Word. And I spend as much time as praying as anybody. And I pray and I put myself in the position, God, all I want to do is get up here and say what you want me to say. Nothing more, nothing less. I don't care whether I say it pretty or not. I just want to say it. But I want to say everything I say in love. If people get convicted, I want them to be convicted by the Holy Spirit. I don't want them to be condemned by me. Hello? I don't want to bring condemnation on people, but I do want to be a tool and an instrument to bring about conviction because conviction is one of the strongest ways in which God proves that He loves me. Do you agree with that? Well, there's a few do, though. Living water. Wow. That means water that's full of life. Water that's full of life. I mean, there's a lot of people right now that are on this water. Now, when I say this, please, and I use this word, don't, don't feel like I'm belittling you because I'm drinking it also. But there's a lot of us right now that are on this water kick. You know, we're drinking it. You know. And it's supposed to do a lot of neat stuff for us. And that's why we're doing it. Come on. Surely you ain't drinking it because, ah, I'm not, you know, I'm, 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 if it does good for me, I want to drink it. If it's supposed to make me healthy. Someone came up to me the other day and they said, Brother Marson, true story, Brother Marson, you look so much younger. <laughs> Brother, it's either the water or you're going blind. It was Dylan Dixon that said that, by the way. Or maybe you want something from me. I don't know. But anyway. But it's, 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 it's flourishing. It's, it's, it's sustaining. It's nourishing. And I'm talking about right now the Holy Spirit. And you've heard the story, so I won't go into detail. But when I got filled with the evidence of speaking in tongues... Now, what's the difference of having the Holy Spirit and being filled with the Holy Spirit? It's the difference between being sprinkled and baptized. You're immersed. And there's an evidence that begins to come about when you're immersed. But when I was filled with the evidence of speaking in tongues, my salvation was non-feeling. My baptism was non-feeling. I showed up the night before I got baptized and cried like a baby. Wet. I mean, tears and snot just flowing everywhere. I'm not joking. I mean, we're talking piles of tissue just all over the and I'm, you know, I'm shaking. I'm doing everything. I say, oh, God, this is it tonight's night. Oh, hallelujah. I'm going to receive what I don't even know what I'm seeking for, but I'm going to get it because everybody else has got it. Ah! Nothing. 
Nothing. I come back the next night almost upset. I said, okay. Praise service is going on, by the way. I am mad at you, God. I didn't say that, but I was acting like it. I was literally doing a pout. You like everybody but me. I'm going home and everybody's going to wonder what's wrong with me. They're going to look at me and laugh at me. I was literally thinking that. Gave the altar call. I just walked down there. Knelt down. And got filled. There wasn't anybody else there. Just me. Camp was over. They all wanted to go. And they had, you know, girls and boys, they had connected. And they wanted to go say goodbye to each other and have something to eat. And here I am down here by myself. The girl that I connected with is gone. She's connecting with somebody else. Her name was Paula. I remember her name, Paula. Isn't it terrible? Paula, she was a Portugal girl, Portuguese. Boy, she was ever a bit of that too. Fiery! But anyway, I'm down. What's that got to do with anything? Nothing. But anyway, I'm down here. Just If you keep on, you're going to get in trouble because all of a sudden she's come back to your mind. Anyway, <laughs> I'm down there, and I'm down there, and I, and I got filled with the Holy Spirit, and, and it, the preachers are all gone. No one cared. So I'm there, and I'm going, I'm waiting, you know, because I saw everybody else in the game prayed for people whispering in their ears. Everybody was getting whispered to. And I'm there. I'm looking. I look. I'm t God's honest truth. I went like this. I looked, and there's no way there because I'm waiting for someone to come and whisper something to me. And I looked, and way over there was a group of pastors, and I'm going, And so I, I, I put my head back down like this, you know, and, and I, I just received something. I'm not really too sure what it was, but it was nice. Come on, y'all. And all of a sudden, this hand came on my shoulder. So excuse me. If anybody comes up and tells me, tries to tell me this ain't real, I've been doing this now since 1963 every day. I had a camp experience that never left. When I came back to camp, I came back with the Holy Spirit and He ain't never left. And so He said, this is what He said, because see, God knew something that none of these other ministers knew, that I had some struggles and I had some problems. I hate to say this to you right now. I had some problems with carnality. And, 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 and yet, but I love Jesus, but I had problems with the carnality. That doesn't go together, does it? So you really need some help. He says, now I want you, when you pray, he says, pray every day in your new language. So I wanted to find out who this guy was. So I looked. I am not exaggerating. I looked. No one there. I looked. And no one there. I looked. And no one there. Now, it wasn't like someone speaking to my heart. It was a physical voice 
speaking to me in a physical manner and telling me that. Now, I want to ask you a question. If anybody come up and told you it wasn't real, you would tell them, you're nuts. So if you tell me it ain't real and it ain't necessary, you're nuts. Okay, I'm, I'm done. No, I'm not. Now, as I'm looking at this, I know you don't ever want to see this, so I'm going to turn my back because it's not really proper to do this in front of people. It's not proper to lay them down for other people to pick up either. <laughs> I come in here one Sunday morning. Once I come in here one Monday after we'd had a great service, and there were tissues all the way across here, and I'm going... Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. And so I went and got one of those little things that you use outside to pick up papers. I did. They're not going to touch my hands. As I was going over this, and the Lord said, as good and as wonderful that this is to have this spring of living waters to flow out, and it causes something to happen to your spirit and to your soul, it's even greater when you allow it to flow out and touch others. Amen? Is anybody, did anybody hear that? So how can you take Jesus to people if you don't let the rivers of the Holy Spirit flow through you? Because they don't need another teaching. They don't need another doctrine. What they need is something that's authentic. And what's more authentic than the Holy Spirit flowing through you? And using your personality. And, 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 and using your character to touch people that no one else can touch. And you're touching them with Jesus. Amen? Amen. Number two. Jesus said this in John 10.10. 10. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Remember that? But I come to give life in it more abundantly. I'm convinced that the more abundantly is the flowing rivers of the Holy Spirit flowing through me. That's what makes this life worth living. That's what makes this life want to stand up and going, It's real! It really, really is. And if acting like Goofy will get you to accept Jesus, I'll do it. If I have to speak like Daffy Duck, I'll do it. But I'm going to tell you something right now. It's real. And if you've got the Holy Ghost and you can speak in tongues, then there should be joy in you, peace in you, rest in you, and all of this should be flowing through you to the people you come in contact with. If it ain't, you've dammed up your river. Oh, man, that's the third time he's cussed this morning. He said that word three times. Can you imagine someone falling asleep and waking up? He, oh, he just said the word damn. <laughs> you know, I was doing all right, but you know, there's always that one little moment in my sermons. Or just one little moment. Just that one. We're going to go buy it. Burp. Let's stand.